The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Third Men Podcast. This is the Jack White Third Man Records History Program. I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. And I am your co-host, James Kaminsky. For those of you who are not on this call with us, we just did two other takes of that. And in the one take, James had a big bite of something or other in his in his face. And he's chewing on that little sum of bitch for a while. And then I stopped it, cut it off, and then we went back in for take number two, and a big old slug of yingling was in there. <laughs> How'd the Yingling get in there? Well, this is a Sierra Nevada, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a Yingling. No, yeah. it's fine. I just... Um... We had to stop drinking for these recordings because they were just getting unruly. Yeah. No, they were. But now I've started eating. So <laughs> it's really just a vicious cycle. <laughs> this is a Jack White Third Man History podcast where we talk about all things relating to Jack White and Third Man Records, including TV and music and people and things. And sometimes we talk to famous people and yeah, it's a good time. Welcome back. Hey, it's a good time, (laughs) comma, welcome back. This week on the program, we are very excited because we are once again joined by a very special guest. This time around, it's Mr. Chris Lyons of the band Silver Synthetic. And Silver Synthetic is launching their debut record, full-length record, on Third Man Records at the time of the release of this episode in the next couple days. So, Boy, if you were thinking about picking up Silver Synthetic with Third Man, now's the time. You can get all caught up here with Chris in this extended interview. Isn't that wonderful, James? It's fantastic. And Silver Synthetic's music is amazing. If you haven't heard any of their stuff yet, you can check some of it out on Third Man's YouTube channel and assorted other places. But yeah, it's really, really good. And this interview was super great. And he was so gracious with his time and talked to us for a long time. So please go out and pick up Silver Synthetic's debut album on Third Man. In two days' time, I guess. So yeah, it's two days, I think. You're right there. So Chris is the principal songwriter for the group, and he was also from the group Bottom Feeders prior to this. And we talk his whole musical career. We talk about how Bottom Feeders evolved into Silver Synthetic, and we talk about the new album. Regular listeners of the show will remember in our year-in-review episode for 2020 that we recorded with Mr. Ben Blackwell I was uh, gushing a little bit about 
Silver Synthetic because I had heard that first single, that Out of the Darkness tune, and it just struck me. It was, I think, as I said in that episode, everything I want from a rock and roll song. It's just those rolling guitars, those beautiful melodies, beautiful singing. The instrumentation is so tight and clean and crisp. It's just what I want. It's just what I want out of a rock tune. And so we're so excited to get this record and to uh, have the privilege of having an early listen to it. And I can tell you right now, this one is worth buying. So folks, if you haven't pre-ordered Silver Synthetic's self-titled debut full-length album on Third Man Records, go to thirdmanstore.com? Is that the website? That I don't know. is the website, I think. Just Google it. Like, really, what are we doing giving websites anymore? Just Google stuff, guys. Just ask Jeeves it. Just ask, ask Jeeves to Jeeves, get, to get you this Alfred. album. You can ask Q. Not, the, not, not that one, the <laughs> mystical yep. being from the Star Trek. Ah, uh, yes, the omnipotent, omniscient. Ask John Delancey, how do I buy Silver Synthetic's album? And he'll say, who are you? Are you? How did you get Please this number? <laughs> buy my merch from my Q website, I think, is what John is he? Hey, serious question. Is he Q? Is he, is he Q? <laughs> of the QAnon? <laughs> He probably hears nothing but those jokes day in and day out. Paul, let's get to this interview. It must be pretty shitty to be John Delancey about now. It must be terrible. But Paul, is there something we should be doing? I was just going to talk about John Delancey for another 20 minutes. (laughs) James, before we get to all of that, we do have a segment we haven't actually done in a while. We used to do it constantly, and we haven't really done it in a minute. So it's... uh... Paul, it's... Is it, smell something. Is it John Delancey? <laughs> James, this is, I think, a smell of fact. Whoa. What is the most astounding fact? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. Well, I think I smell a fact is the segment of the show that you guys probably forgot about because we haven't done it in a minute, but... We, I don't think uh, we did it all season. It's possible. I don't remember. I think a smell effect is this segment of the show in which we find out something interesting or a tidbit of information about a topic that we have previously discussed. And instead of redoing the episode or doing another episode based around that topic, we then just put it in this little segment here all nice and neat like. What is it about us that would make you think out there we would redo an episode? We have so many that we should redo. Yes, James. I think I smell a fact is a fun one. And so this one comes courtesy of third person in spirit every week. Tam Davis. Tam, you're wonderful. We always love hearing from you. But Tam actually was able to provide some stuff for us that we weren't actually able to get to in our Jack and Iggy Pop episode last time around, James. Mm. Please elaborate. You remember when you couldn't get the sweet, sweet portable document format version of the mojo yes magazine feature which featured jack white interviewing iggy pop in october of 2003 we did use the imagery from the photo shoots of that and we said that it existed but we did uh, say it existed we did say that we couldn't get it because it costs more money than i'm willing to spend on a magazine Well, I guess Tam wound up getting a batch of magazines that she went on some road trip for to get and pick up like a while ago. And this happened to be in there, which is really cool. I 
never think to do that. Like Amoeba used to have a magazine bin hmm. for back issues and stuff. And I just never dig into it. And I really should because I have a handful of them. But I really start picking up magazines with Jack in them, especially if he's the cover story around like Lazaretto era. I started around Dead Weather, I think, doing that, but I want to say oh six oh seven. But I wow. did it specifically to start decorating my dorm room. Oh, so you were hacking them to pieces. I there. took so much magazine out of those magazines and slapped it on my walls. But most of the interviews are still there because uh, yeah. I clearly read it for the articles. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. So I have the magazines, but boy, Jack White and Meg are cut out of of the entire thing which sounds <laughs> way scarier anyway tam was kind enough to, to send us some digital photographs to pick which one we liked hey. of those pages and so i just got to read a, a segment of one of the questions and answers oh, please that do I thought, i'm so excited that I, yeah, yeah i thought it was cool because it does now again this is 2003 so this is elephant era so Jack's not thinking about solo career or anything like that. I mean, this is now... He's taken off. This question and answer I thought was interesting. Jack asks Iggy, when you started making solo records, did you like what was happening? Did you have a lot to say or were you being guided to keep making records? Now, the question itself I find interesting because, yeah, Jack's a fan and we know that he was a fan of Iggy's solo records in addition to the Stooges stuff. But I also feel like maybe he's got an eye toward that. Or he had just been in Cold Mountain and he had recorded those couple tracks for that accompanying soundtrack. So might have been top of mind. Iggy's reply is, my feelings were as follows. I was miserable, stranded, lost, lonesome, and what's the word? Nostalgic. All those terrible things. And the reason I finally stopped with the band... I looked at what I was doing, I looked at who I was, and I knew that I was about to go backwards if I kept trying to do that. I remember Johnny Thunders wanted to do some stuff, and I said to myself, this stuff won't come out as well as the Stooges, and I am older. I look a lot worse after a week of shooting drugs these days than I did then. I've made all the mistakes I need to make once, I don't need to make them again. So I had an opportunity in that David Bowie offered me the chance to make solo records, basically with him as my band. And at the time that he offered this to me, this guy was white hot talent. And I could see that. I've always had the ability with Ron Ashton, with James Williamson. I've always been a good music fan. And I know when I find my boy, it was a tough haul in many ways, but the albums I made with him were very good and expressed a side of his abilities that he couldn't get out within the commercial pressures that he was going to be facing to rise in the world. Artistically, I really like those two records, The Idiot and Lust for Life, but I was personally just miserable. When I heard that The Damned were coming out and The Sex Pistols, I just felt so wistful and weird and so, not jealous, but something like that. These guys had bands, and I didn't. So that's, there's a lot in there. A couple things. The Damned, we know, mm -hmm. from... Rob Jones? Rob Jones. That's yeah. his favorite band, The Damned. Rob Jones, who does all of Jack's, most of Jack's album artwork and tour posters and things like that. And so that's actually how I got to know The Damned, because that's Machine Gun Silhouette. 
is a take on machine gun etiquette, etiquette. using yeah. using the email that Rob Jones had sent to Jack White. So anyway, there's the damn thing in there, which is interesting. And then I had just recently been reading and listening to stuff about David Bowie and Iggy Pop's friendship, which is cool. Now on the Yesterday and Today podcast, the Beatle podcast we produced for our dad, he wound up uncovering all this stuff about Iggy Pop and David Bowie's adventures in Germany and in China, where in 1977, Iggy and David Bowie were waiting for an elevator in Hong Kong, and the elevator door opens up, and out pops John Lennon, who's <laughs> visiting Hong Kong at the time with Sean, and I guess they got together and went out to a bunch of strip clubs and stuff, and it was a fascinating story where they recount going to lunch at a place where the service was going too slow for Lennon's liking and evidently he stood up in the middle of the restaurant and screamed we need service hasn't anyone in this place ever heard of the Beatles wow (laughs) wow which is awesome that Um, is yeah wow (laughs) so that's very good and then you know I just hearing that Iggy's talking about nostalgia as a trap and thinking about, God, do I need a band? Do I not need a band? I feel like that's stuff that Jack was working through too, especially as the stripes wrapped up and he was moving on into the blunderbuss era. I feel like maybe maybe those two have a bit of kinship in that regard. I suppose. I think they were similar in that they had a lot of creative energy that they wanted to get out. Sure, yes. But I think Jack just had his record label there, and so it may have just been slightly different in that he had the room, had the guitars, was constantly coming up with music and just recorded it with whoever was there. And it kind of turned into a solo career. Whereas David Bowie was just like, hey, you should be making more records. Yes. And Iggy's like, I guess so. And then basically put out some of his best material. I don't think they arrived at that place in the same way. No, they didn't. No, yeah. I don't think so. But I think maybe some of the same ideas were percolating in there. Sure. Just in terms of the same concerns. I'm wondering if Iggy was coming up with music on his own, though. Was he doing it after the fact, after, you know, getting the push from Bowie? Or was he just constantly writing? I don't know. I think he wrote or co-wrote China Girl with Bowie. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, so I just thought this was interesting stuff. And I'd also like to point out in all those photos for this Mojo magazine, Iggy's not wearing a shirt. This guy did some pretty damaging things to his body for like a lot of years, and he looks fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> two thousand three. I mean, <laughs> it looks hurt, but it, looks, it does yeah. look hurt. It looks yeah, but he's like swole, but not like gross swole for his stature. He just looks like he'll he'll fuck you up in a fight. Yeah, kind of swole. Sure. I mean, I think we both know that Iggy Pop could fuck us up in a fight, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, we'll <laughs> leave this uh, segment here. But thank you, Tam, for providing that for us. And oh, I on that fact. All right, everybody, get ready. 
This interview is going to be awesome. Let's shoot it on over to Chris, shall we? Let's do it, Paul. Back to the Third Men Podcast. We've got a very special guest today. I'm a huge fan of the band Silver Synthetic, and we have joining us today Chris Lyons, principal songwriter for the group. Is that right, Chris? Uh, yeah, pretty much. You're the driving force, my friend. Yeah, that's, you know, that's <laughs> what it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We're super excited about the new record, and we love your music, so it's a real honor to have you on here. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks yes. for having me. Well, I've got my pre-order on the way. This episode will be going live just a couple days prior to the album dropping. So we're going to talk a little bit about the new self-titled Silver Synthetic album on the show today. Uh, listeners of the program may remember me gushing about Out of the Darkness in our 2020 recap episode to Ben Blackwell. And we were just like, hey, can we have more of this, please and thank you? And Ben was like, yes, you got it. In 2020, which was a garbage year, we did get this bright ray of guitar sunshine coming out of our headphones and speakers, respectively. And so it's just so wonderful to have this sound. How does it feel holding rock and roll on your back? How does that feel? You getting back problems? Uh, It's honestly like uh, I feel generally just stressed out all the time. Oh, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, hard to be in a rock and roll band when you can't really practice yeah. the act of being in a rock and roll band. It's like existential uh, crisis on a regular basis. So were you, I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into the formation of Silver Synthetic, but were you touring with the Bottom Feeders around when COVID hit? Or was the band, was Silver Synthetic forming around when COVID hit? Yeah, Silver Synthetic was like, definitely more active at that point bottom feeders one of our guitar players he moved back to minneapolis oh wow a few months prior so we were kind of just like taking a break you know yeah no particular plan but we weren't active at the moment yeah. silver synthetic had a lot of plans this record was going to come out like you know last summer of 2020 yeah and then we we waited in hopes of like, oh, maybe this will just last a few months and we'll go on tour. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like we're rounding the corner now. I mean, by the fall, we'll be back yeah. on stages, right? So Yeah, I, I mean, I got vaccinated yesterday. Hey, yeah. congratulations. Oh, nice. That's Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I feel insane. Um, <laughs> but it's How's the arm? It. I've heard the arm hurts. How's the it arm? It hurts. It hurts, yeah. I got the Johnson & Johnson and it's like, Two and one, and it uh, like knocked me out. I was like so tired. My wife got that the other day, and all of her muscles ached for a full day yeah. following after. But now she's she's feeling fine. Like her arm is just kind of vaguely sore. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's worth it. I mean, I, the, the perk, the plus side is that you know, day one you're immune. So there's that. Yeah, I'm so yeah. I feel extremely fortunate. Like it's kind of unbelievable mm -hmm. to me. I thought I was going to have to wait a year from now. So For a second, I thought you were going to say, I feel extremely powerful. And then like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you can feel it pumping through your veins. Yeah, that too, you know. I feel it, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that uh, you got vaccinated. Is the rest of the band also? Yeah, three of us and the uh, last dude's getting it, like, next week. So Nice. Yeah, we're 
trying to do everything we can to just try and get back to playing shows or getting on the road. Yeah. The very least be able to travel and, and tour and yeah, even in Europe and stuff. Yeah. It was, you know, we had a lot of plans for all that and, uh, it all got canceled. So <sighs> for a while it kind of felt like it was canceled forever, but, uh, we're all feeling a lot more hopeful now. I mean, the silver lining again, like, what Paul was saying is that we got to experience a lot of this music through digital stuff and through hearing it through third man's, you know, digital kind of imprints and whatever. Um, so yeah. it was really nice to be able to hear that and to kind of get a taste of the stuff going forward and knowing that there's totally. music still appearing and, and out there and, and doing, it was a bright spot in a, in a <laughs> sea. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we're super fortunate to even, still have something in the works while nothing was happening you know like right. just like we were fortunate enough to meet up with third man right before all like it hit the fan you know yeah so. did it give you a chance to like go back in and, and tinker on with everything for like months <laughs> um we tried our best to not do that because that can be like a really tricky process yeah um, and we had already had, like, it was all done. It had all been done for a long time. So we just tried to leave it as is. Although the mastering process, that changes things, and that was really cool. Third Man nice. did all of that. as we mentioned we were really really impressed with out of the darkest i mean when that came out and i told this to james i was just like this checks all my boxes like this is what i want out of a, out of rock and roll like this is this is it and you Hell know we yeah. go through and we listen to all of the third man releases in in the year so that we can talk about it a bit when we do our year in review episode but yours was the standout i mean that was just incredible Thanks, so man. So anyway, congratulations on the release of the record. A long Thank time you. coming, out April yeah. 9th on Third Man Records. If you haven't got yours already or pre-ordered it, get it, pick it up. It's an incredible record. We had the the honor of getting a, an advanced listen. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's a beautiful album. It really is. Yeah, so I guess... Thanks, Phil. Yeah, so I wanted to know, was this record an album before the EP? Or was the EP like the prerequisite, the single coming out last year? Can you tell us a little bit about the journey this record took? Because I know that you said that these songs are now old in your mind. So tell us a little yeah. bit about how the record came to be. I mean, to answer the first part of the question, basically the EP and the LP were all recorded in, at the same time. And yeah. uh, we recorded 10 songs in seven days at my house with our friend Ross Farb of this band called Video Age. He's a great sound engineer yeah uh, so we set up his little mobile studio in my house and we recorded the 10 songs and we decided before the ep was even uh, an idea we decided that we wanted to take two songs out and make the full record 
the eight songs that are on the LP. Yeah. And then because COVID happened and the record was postponed, we decided to, we wanted to put something out in the meantime. Yeah. Digitally. So we got to end up, Re, we had got to release the two songs that we were going to throw away. Oh wow! Along with two songs that are, you know, will also be on the LP. So that was kind of cool because I, they didn't fit that well on the record in a way, but I'm glad they got out into the world because I think you know people seem to enjoy them anyways. Yeah, the whole yeah. the whole record feels of a piece, and it, the, just the vibe is so strong and so. Oddly positive. The, the music itself is positive, although the lyrics do slide into uh, some darker, <laughs> darker territory. Um, yeah. But so I guess story goes, Ben Swank was floored when he saw you guys perform for the first time. Is that how you linked up with Third Man? Obviously, Canal has some connections through Jeff the Brotherhood. Yeah, basically, uh, we had been just rehearsing for a while in New Orleans, playing a couple local shows and hadn't left town yet and decided to book a little weekend trip up to Tennessee. We did Memphis, have a lot of friends there, and then uh, played a show in Nashville. And Canal, being a member of Jeff the Brotherhood, and he just knows a bunch of people in Nashville, he set that show up and he just put together a good bill. And I think he actually asked Ben Swank's band to play the show, but they couldn't. Huh. But he showed up anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Soledad Brothers, right? He, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was it. So yeah, that's how uh, I had. I think uh, yeah, I'd never really met him before, and he just approached us after the show and was like really into it. And you know, we just started talking, and he asked us if we had anything recorded. And the whole record was already recorded. We recorded it in like spring 2018. Oh, wow. So So this is going back quite a ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had, I mean, we just had this thing in the vault and didn't have any, we hadn't talked to anyone about releasing it. And so we sent it his way. And we kind of just thought, you know, cool, he liked it, he'll listen to it and that'll be it but he was super interested in actually uh releasing it with third man so we went ahead and did it and it was that simple wow nice did you have any plans like holding it back were you like planning on shopping it around or were you just kind of i mean we wanted to but we (laughs) didn't even know like where to shop it around we were just like what are we gonna do with this (laughs) And then, uh, and then it just felt like it had started. Been, it's like what well, it was like six months, and we were like, "God, what? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what? This is just gonna like disappear." Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're. I mean, fortunate enough, you know, something came together. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't. It's uh, like I said, a beautiful record. It kind of evokes a whole lot of different vibes throughout the the record. But like, you get a lot of like folk and 70s rock and 60s rock like there's just it goes throughout it's really really nice thanks Um, man so it's like if brian wilson was a thin lizzie fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love both of those bands a lot so that's cool if elliot smith joined ccr (laughs) (laughs) did did you have a did you have a conception of third man at all or were you a, a listener to any of that stuff before 
you got linked up. Um, uh, when I like growing up as a youngster, I was definitely like a White Stripes fan. Yeah. So like I didn't know like a ton about the label prior to signing with them. I mean, I know you know I know a handful of the bands on the label. Yeah. But it still felt like when we were talking to Ben about making this happen, it was still like real exciting. Yeah. And I was like. Could, I kind of didn't believe it was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it was. It's an honor in a way, you know. Yeah. So yeah. when we had first heard "Out of the Darkness," like we said, we loved it. We were super thrilled. We had originally thought it was about picking up women at bars, but <laughs> yeah. upon uh, some closer inspection, it seems that it's about trying to coax a city dweller out into the country again. But um, can you tell us a little bit of the origin of the song "Out Out of the Darkness"? <laughs> yeah. So you're. Mostly correct on your first assessment. <laughs> it wasn't the wholesome one. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, to make it a bit more wholesome, it's sort of about like uh, making fun of like the being like living a single life and like going out to bars and whatever and trying to meet someone. Like, mm. just, I mean, it sounds pretty goofy but that's the whole concept is like making fun of that whole experience yeah but also to make it more wholesome it's just you know actually trying to find a partner that you feel like being around yeah and yeah. uh you know like find something meaningful out of the whole chaos of meaninglessness and going out on the town yeah which is a you know a big thing in New Orleans. Yeah, I always hated that the pressure of that. You know, when you go out to the bar and then there's that unspoken pressure, especially if you're there with a couple guys or whatever, that you're supposed to find somebody. And I always I couldn't stand it. I'd hate it. I would. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really dumb. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe it's just because I was very bad at it. That maybe that's just why I was super yeah. bad at. It. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can be a particularly shy person yeah. at times in a certain situation. So, like, it's just all weird. Being alive is weird. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's not uh, a horn dog song. It's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a song about, like, whatever I was doing at that time, you know? It's like... What I love about it is that it's, of the songs on the record, it's maybe the most repetitious with the fewest lyrics. Like... A lot of your songs are kind of lyric packed and you tell these sort of grand stories or paint these pictures. In this one, it's more about the repetition of it, which I was perceiving like, man, you do this over and over and over and over and over again. And it's supposed to give you that feeling of, all right, you're back at it. You're back in it. <laughs> When you're writing, do you find, I mean, we've talked to a few different musicians of, over the years, and I find everybody's approach is different, but what, can you tell us a little bit about your approach to 
when you're writing, does it come from a lyrical inspiration or comes from a melodic inspiration? Um, yeah, I mean, it's usually like music first, lyrics last, but uh, the melody always kind of like pulls out some sort of theme or will pull out a full line or a chorus that's like sort of like a subconscious topic yeah mm-hmm. that just comes to mind out of the melody and then i just kind of run with that and then sometimes every once in a while i write a song that's i have every intention of saying what i'm saying right right but sometimes i find myself sort of listening to some other voice that comes through me and it's just like kind of a natural process after that right <laughs> yeah that, i find that the way you phrase your lyrics sometimes echoes the guitar and so they they both roll in the same way and stuff. So they really it's a definitely uh, has a lot to do with what's going on with the guitar. So I I have so many favorite tracks on this record. A big standout for me is around the bend, that driving bridge toward the back half of the song is just everything I want from a rock tune. It's got even a little bit of day in the life on the back end too. A little aftertaste, day in the life, like ooh, ooh that's nice. Um, <laughs> when the band got together, did you see the driving guitar sound evolve naturally amongst you, or was it was it a conscious choice, or was it made by just you guys jamming out and finding your way as a band? I think that both Canal and I, prior to this band, had been doing stuff like that like bottom feeders on my end. Yeah. I was doing a lot of like just completely fuzzed out lead guitar stuff. And he definitely does stuff like that in Jeff the Brotherhood. And we both are familiar with each other's bands and not even, you know, or the way we play guitar in general. So I think it just kind of happened naturally. We're like, yeah, we're like, yeah, we should do this. Like it makes sense. And here's a riff. Like it's easier to sort of not talk about what our intentions are. Yeah. Especially when the song's already written, when we get to working on it with the band, we just kind of like, we just kind of stop talking and start playing. Yeah. Because it's hard to communicate with words about music a lot of the time because everyone has their different terms and understanding of how to talk about music and it's just kind of ruins it sometimes. <laughs> right. Right. Well, do you have, did you have common favorites amongst the band? Like when you're jamming or when, when you're, yeah. when, you, when you're practicing, is there a cover song that's a go-to? Is that, is there maybe something like that sets the tone? Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, I mean, we all have pretty like eclectic music taste, but I think we all share a certain amount of love for specific bands or artists like i mean everyone in the band loves neil young yeah that's like pretty huge like uh canal's dog is named after neil young's dog (laughs) shaky (laughs) and uh i think like early on we were like yeah we all like neil young but also like i guess i had all these songs written so everyone kind of heard certain things out of them that they thought they sounded like. So that was part of it around the band. Like, I mean, Brian, Eno is like a big one for like the inspiration on the, at least the end of that song. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. I I didn't hear that at first, but now I'm going to listen to it again with that ear. I love Brian, Eno, so that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like the, uh, warm jets record, definitely an influence of that for that song in particular. Yeah. 
big one. Like Coney Island Baby was something I listened to on repeat while I like was re- first writing these like, early like demos of all these songs. So yeah, that was like sort of there in the beginning, and now it's becoming something else. Uh, it's just, now it's like it's not mine anymore. It's just out there. It's tough, you know, like it's always a rush. I feel like sometimes for people to be like, oh, they like this person. Oh, they like that person. Here's the influence. Here's, But I think I even read a quote from Swank where it was like, you guys are more than the sum of your influences. And I just thought that was a beautiful statement. I don't know. I think I'm paraphrasing there, but, you know, it's hard to resist that temptation to compare, right? Whenever you're doing, I'm sure you yeah. do that when listening to some band sometimes. Yeah, I personally can't stand it when people do that with my own music and i'm just like (laughs) that's not even what i listen to man like (laughs) well your lyrics again uh, the lyric and melody is just absolutely gorgeous on this record and i plucked just a couple out and i was hoping we could just talk about those songs for a moment but there's a wonderful line in in the beginning which is in my dreams i see myself dying don't know what it means i'm feeling fine and there's that video, that really funny video for this song, yeah. too. Can you tell us a little bit about... I mean, watching the video, I assume I know what the song is about, but can you tell us how you wrote that one? Yeah, uh, I wrote that song just by myself, like, one night alone in my house. My girlfriend was out somewhere. I was like, I just wrote it really quickly. But I think it's just kind of about, like have this imagination of where you think your life's going to go or where it's going to end up. And then you find yourself not ending up where you thought you would. Yeah. And sometimes that can be a hard thing to reckon with. Sure. But it's also like, you know, it's also just not that serious. It's like, you're just alive and it's okay. But uh, sometimes it's hard to accept that you aren't who you thought you were or something. No, I totally relate to that. My my wife and I talk about that often, you know. I'm of the opinion, like, I try to remember that if I keep waiting for my life to begin, I'm going to be dead and I will have not lived. So I try and remember that. You exactly. Know, I, I try and forget that when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be this or that or whatever. And just try and, I mean, like, it's not, 
let's you just have fun, you know? Yeah. Like, like, it's, it's not going to last very long. Right? It's fine. You just, yeah. just got to just gotta live it. Right. Have if a you, good time. If you pluck select words from the song in the beginning, you can get living, laughing, loving. Uh, yeah. So let's let's all just remember that motto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Got me. Got him. I guess, uh, there's some, uh, <laughs> I guess there's some actual truth to that state, uh, that statement. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, you just like, I don't know, life kind of blows a lot of the time. And especially in this last year, I didn't think I was going to be working at a barbecue restaurant for, as long as I have, but here I am, you know, that's what I do because I can't go on tour. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mentioned the video. Did you guys get to pick the characters you portrayed in that video? Cause you play like the, you're the title role and then yeah. it's like a bartender. Mm-hmm. And yes. Did you, do you guys all pick or was that like the, the, the director's idea? Yeah. Basically the concept was my idea and I imagine myself as the main character because it's yeah. sort of based off of my life and my experience, but uh, it's an exaggerated version, you know, okay. of my life. And the other characters, the guys just kind of, uh, it was pretty obvious who was going to be who, honestly. <laughs> Peter, he's obviously like the hotel manager. The bass, right. He's the bass player. Lucas, he already had like the outfit for a janitor. So he's the drummer. He's the janitor. <laughs> And Canal bartender, pretty obvious. So yeah, right. it kind of just worked out pretty easy. <laughs> it's a fun video. It's so fun. And it does, again, it plays with that repetition, right? That it's all just right back at the beginning, you know, at the end. It's all, <laughs> yeah, it's all, a, a cycle, a vicious cycle. Oh, yeah. I remember being in bed and grabbing for the fried chicken myself uh, on a number of cycles. Yeah. So I could relate to that. Yeah. I would just want to talk about Unholy Love. The guitar and the, the soloing going on in that song is absolutely gorgeous. When You know, when you give a song, not give a song to the band, when you present a song to the band, you guys are going to record it. Is it the kind of thing where y'all are arranging parts in the studio? Like, is Canal arranging a guitar part? Or how does that work? Because that solo is a really quintessential part of that song yeah it's kind of like the climax for sure i mean usually i bring a whole song which usually just means like chords and the lyrics and the vocals and stuff but sometimes i have a lead guitar line in mind yeah but i think for uh i mean he for the most part canal writes his own lead stuff and definitely wrote that solo and yeah, I love that solo. And we, yeah, we're, we're recording it. I think we like, because we play as a four piece, like when we're rehearsing, we're all playing like six string guitars, but it was just like obvious that that had to be played on a 12 string guitar, that solo. Oh, yeah. So it's uh, overdubbed on a 12 string. I happened to have one like in my room when we were making the record, like, let's just do it. It'll probably sound great. Yeah. So that I think that's what really makes it pop. Yeah, beautiful track. Sad too on the back end. Really yeah. sad. <laughs> that seems to be yeah. But I mean, it it's a good album to uh, think about life, especially during this, like you were saying, during this time. You know, you can think about the trivialities and the kind of yeah. weirdness. The living is weird. Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. Super weird. So there's one last line I 
plucked out here, my favorite probably on the record, is from Around the Bend. I'd rather throw it in my hands than swallow all the fear. Wow, that's a visceral <laughs> image right there, isn't it? <laughs> you tell us a little bit about Around the Bend. Yeah. We'll give you a hug, too. We can give yeah. You a hug. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That song is kind of like... Each verse is, I think it's almost like they may have been written on different days. It was kind of like a different, all sort of like the same undertone, but sort of a different story with each verse in a way. Yeah. But yeah, that one's just, uh, you know, man, it's been a minute since I even thought about those lyrics, but uh, it's just kind of like, I'd rather throw it all on the table than mm. keep it all downside kind of just saying what it means already but it's healthier that way anyway and yeah it's just i mean the song's just about being like in a transition period in my life and just like not knowing what the hell i'm doing <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it is a very therapeutic thought i mean the music itself is therapeutic in a way yeah it's uh i mean it's kind of funny sometimes just putting all of your like fears and worries and like issues on the line and just literally saying it out in a song but that's just like me being honest with myself when it comes to writing music so that's just what it is and if i tried to lie about it or make it up it would probably suck so right yeah i mean you're expressing vulnerability but you're doing it with such a like a muscular sound behind it and so there's a power in it. Do you feel exposed when you do that? Or do you find it to be kind of like helpful? Does the feedback help? Does knowing people are hearing it help? Yeah, I think it helps. I mean, it feels like the songwriting process is the really therapeutic part. And then after that, sometimes you just like forget what the song's about when you're performing it. Sometimes you just, but other times it's, it's right there inside of you. But uh, yeah, it feels good when it comes to people hearing it, I know that people are out there hearing it right now, but whenever we can get back to playing shows and like actually seeing people hearing the music, like that's always a rewarding experience for everyone. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like, I think in a way like playing music is just like my own little therapy session <laughs> it's cheaper that way yeah <laughs> the world's your therapist <laughs> yeah. One more question about the new record, then we're going to talk a little bit about your background. But we were wondering, as the principal songwriter, are you bringing demos to the group when you're writing tunes? Or are you guys beating it up more in the studio? I usually have demos, especially in the beginning before like I had a band, really. We had four in the band together. I was recording on like a four-track cassette, and then I'd like throw that on the computer so I could add more tracks. Yeah. And I had a bunch of demos that were like sitting around for a while. 
And then from there, like once the band was like solidified, I would make demos. I was just keep making more demos, but there's like a few songs that I never even demoed, like Unchain Your Heart. We really worked out as a band just in the practice space. That's awesome. But yeah, the demos help me figure little things out. Yeah, like a sketch, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean just I like to do it anyways. It seems like something that would be kind of necessary to have some bones to it before, like Unchain Your Heart. That song, you want to talk like a powerhouse behind you. That song is full of it. I love that one so much. on your own influences for a minute you had mentioned you have some esoteric musical tastes you listen to a bit of everything who are you listening to growing up and can you name the most esoteric thing what, <laughs> what of of all of the things what is the one thing that doesn't fit the most oh man <laughs> feel free to pass on that one if you want i just i'm so curious because now i'm just like all right i mean it's hard for me to say because i don't know what other people hear like in the music sometimes but I mean, I had, like, a really heavy folk phase where I was listening to, like, really crappily, like, recorded Carter family recordings and stuff, like, but it's all, I don't know, to me, like, country, folk music, blues, rock and roll, it's, like, all the same thing. It's just played or recorded differently, you know, it's, like, two or three chords. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's the only thing I got, really. You're 13 years old. There's a CD in your disc, man. What is it? Uh, Zeppelin BBC Sessions. Nice. Wow. <laughs> I was expecting Limp Bizkit or something, and we got the Zeppelin BBC Sessions. Uh, I definitely had that phase. But, uh, <laughs> I think when I was 13, I like moved on. I was like a classic rock kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, It it becomes a thing. I mean, I probably had Houses of the Holy around that time. uh, (laughs) Blasting, but BBC Sessions is a deeper dive. Yeah, that one, uh, I think that was actually, I ended up with it because it was like every Friday night, my dad would take me to the record store, or it felt like every Friday night. It felt like a tradition or something. Yeah. But we were, you know, buying CDs back then. And he, I think he was the one who just picked that out. He's like, oh, this one rocks. You're going to love it. <laughs> and like, yeah, like back then, all I wanted to hear was like, just like heavy rock riffs. Like, I think he bought me like a mountain CD too, <laughs> yeah. like Mississippi yeah. Queen. He was like, when I was your age, that was my favorite song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love Mississippi Queen. Yeah, yeah that song still kicks ass, but yeah. I was just talking to Paul about this, like those strange things you get as a teenager when you're discovering music. I bought Mark Boland's Born to Boogie at oh, as a man. teenager. Like, like yeah. it's just, it seems weird. Like I went into Barnes and Noble, like, and I have Born to Boogie. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, 
<laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting this I, album with this cool yeah. guy in a top hat. And so. Yeah, I'd like to be uh, entranced by that rock and roll magician, please. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, he actually thought he could levitate. He felt he had learned how to levitate. Good for him. <sighs> Love that. <man. laughs> anyway. so, did, so did Iggy Pop. So yeah, well, Iggy. Pop. I believe them all. If you smear him in enough peanut butter, you know you you can't quite <laughs> grab him, so he just flies through the air. <laughs> Slippery. Oh my god. <laughs> so you're you're from are you from New Orleans originally? No, I'm from uh Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It's like oh, uh it's down the road. Yeah. I'm in uh, I'm in Allentown right now, so Oh nice, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, from uh you know, Ween is from uh my town. <laughs> yeah, wow. the drummer from Ween, I believe, worked at the Princeton Record Exchange. Yeah, I love Princeton, that New Jersey. Love that record store. Which was my and Paul's record store growing up. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We're from New Jersey originally, but Oh uh, cool. Yeah, Canal and Lucas are both from New Jersey. Oh wow. wow. Yeah. What's, What's the one thing you miss in New Orleans? Uh hoagies. Yeah. Yeah. Or subs. I don't know what you, you're all from Jersey. Yeah. I don't know. Meat torpedoes. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I lived in Philly for five years. They would kill me if I said subs. So, yeah, um, exactly. Hoagie yeah. Haven, Princeton. There you Hoagie go. Hoagie Haven's the jam. Yeah. It's so good. good. Yeah. The turned into Jersey hour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. In New Brunswick. I forgot. You just reminded me of those food trucks in New Brunswick. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I miss, yeah. I miss the food. There's the Italian food in general up there's a lot better than it is down here. Well, when did you make your way to New Orleans? Ten years ago, I moved here to play music with our drummer, Lucas. Yeah. We went to high school together. We played and we played music together all throughout high school. Then uh, he moved down here to go to Tulane, and I went tried to go to college in California and dropped out like within like two weeks. Wow. <laughs> Where were you going? I was trying to go to the Academy of Art for Photography yeah. in San Francisco, and they don't allow you to touch film for two years. Huh. So I was just like, I don't know. I was just young <laughs> and crazy. I was like, nah, I'm done with this. I like got in a bus and went to LA <laughs> and hung out with some friends. And then I was just like, totally had no reason to be on the West Coast. I didn't have any money. Touched a bunch of film though down in LA. It just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it your grub, grubby little yeah, mitts. Some, all over. <laughs> we're just like, hey, you want to touch some film? <laughs> yeah, hey, we got a couch yeah, back there. Saying. You guys want to touch some <laughs> film? <laughs> yeah. So then uh, Lucas called me and was like, "Man, New Orleans is great." So I moved down to New Orleans like right after that. I'd never been here before. Just yeah. got in the car with my amp and my guitar. And like a bag of clothes and it was weird for a while. I felt really out of place and didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I was just making music all the time and have been ever since. And now still somehow Lucas and I are still making music together. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Wow. Well, so you, the story goes, so you're, let's talk a little bit about bottom feeders. Cause the story goes that you had a batch of songs that just didn't fit the bottom feeders aesthetic and that's kind of where the origin of silver synthetic came from but i was actually shocked to hear so many similarities between the two groups you know um i, I listened to a song like myth 
from the blockade release that you guys did. And I hear that familiar rolling rhythm. And I, I know people have described the band's sound as more of a punk thing, but I actually hear a bit more new wave in there. Can you tell us a little bit about Bottom Feeders and what that band's maybe mission statement was when it came to like style? Yeah, I mean, I think like originally it was, um, I started out as a solo project like 10 years ago, I guess. I was just kind of started the same way as Silver Synthetic where I was just doing whatever like came to mind, but it ended up being like pretty like garage rocky. Then once the band formed, there's a bunch of different members like over the years, but once like the main group formed, it felt like kind of like psychedelic punk Yeah. for a long time. We all were partying like very heavily during that time and would just go to our practice space till like six in the morning, just like banging out songs like Mad Men. It was like yeah. really aggressive. It felt just like really aggressive and like chaotic. And then uh, once like we put out our self-titled LP and then the seven inch we released after that that felt like yeah it started to get maybe a little more new weight like i was listening a lot more like devo and like wire around that time nice yeah and i think like that it became more informed by like those bands and it, the reverb got turned down a little bit and it was a little <laughs> bit more uh yeah. a little bit more realized at that point You know, we were just in our heads, we were just playing rock and roll, and it was our interpretation of it as a group. So, yeah. Well, was there a moment when you realized that those aforementioned tunes necessitated a new band? Like, how did the rest of the bottom feeders take that? Or was it more of like a this is ending kind of thing? No, it was just uh, I was doing both at the same time for a while. For a while, I was like, maybe the whole sound of Bottom Fears is about to change. So for a while, I thought that we were going to start playing those songs. And then I realized that it didn't make sense. I wanted to have like two kind of like sides of the coin of my musical tendencies or whatever. So and I just don't like mixing things that I don't like listening to records that don't really flow. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't make sense to me. So I decided that I needed to start a new band. And uh, so I started playing the songs with like a bunch of different people. Lucas, the drummer guy that I went to high school with, he was the drummer in Bottom Feeders. And so he was obviously still going to play drums in Silver Synthetic. Yeah. And then, yeah, met Canal, or I've known Canal for a long time, but finally we tried to get him in Bottom Feeders at one point and then, that didn't happen and this happened and worked out and peter bass player known him forever too just yeah. fell into place so yeah how'd you arrive at the name um i just literally 
in my like book I write all my lyrics in, I just started writing like random words on a sheet of paper <laughs> in like different different orders. <laughs> yeah. Hoagie Haven. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haven. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept on writing names. I think there's a bunch of funny, like different versions of our current name. They're like close to it that uh are somewhere in this book right here but um <laughs> yeah it's just uh i honestly i just liked the sound of it and it felt like it at least when i was making the demos it felt as though it fit the sound of the band i think now some people would disagree or think that it sounds like a different band but it has now, a warmer... this is what the band sounds like <laughs> the band's sound has a warmer feeling then you would probably assume from Silver Synthetic you might get like some kind of electronic vibe from the name. But I've, you know, sitting with it, it does work. It works perfectly. Like the logo design and all of the yeah. artwork for it, it makes it pop. I don't know. I really dig what you guys have been doing art wise with. Um, yeah, that was our friend um, Eliza Weber from Chicago. She plays in this band called Gliders with uh -huh. a Y. They're amazing. She did the title font for the EP and the record. And yeah, I really like love the way that looks. And Peter, our uh, bass player, pretty much like designed the album cover. And then Third Man kind of put it all together. Yeah. Awesome. You mentioned Canal, uh, and we had mentioned that he was a part of Jeff the Brotherhood. Uh, he had actually joined around the same time as Third Man co-conspirator. Can I call him that? Yeah, that's good. Jack Lawrence or LJ. I love the Greenhorns. Yeah. 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 And that was a, an interesting third man connection that we were just kind of discovered. But like, Canal is credited with writing some songs with Jeff the Brotherhood. How did it feel having a fellow writer, guitarist, adding his spin to Silver Synthetic? Um, yeah, it was great. The whole experience in like, comparison to Bottom Fears was freeing mm -hmm. because yeah. um, I didn't feel like I was pigeonholed in writing a specific kind of song anymore. And I could just kind of let, like in Bottom Feeders, I was writing the songs, singing and also playing lead guitar. So yeah. it was nice to be like, yeah, play lead guitar, do whatever you're going to do. It'll probably sound great, whatever you do. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure off of your back. That's great. Yeah, it was cool because I could focus on singing, really focusing on what how I want my voice to sound and play some open chords is like so different from bottom feeders and it was really relaxing and liberating in that way. And yeah, Canal is just an amazing guitar player and has really good ideas. And I love all of his lead parts that he's contributed to all the songs. I wanted to remark on your voice. It's so tuneful. It's got a tenderness on the record, which I really, really love. Did you find an evolution of your voice over the years? Like when you were younger? How, did, yeah. you ever find, sometimes our singers describe it as finding their voice. Did you ever have a moment like that where you found it? Yeah. Well, I've had like three or four different moments where I found my voice. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, first it was like 
like in high school, I was like screaming, yeah, yelling, <laughs> playing guitar right. with like a really loud rock band. Then I got really into playing folk music and it was more like talky singing. Then Bottom Feeders was like back to yelling kind of, but melodic and like high falsetto vocals. And then uh, I felt like I really found what I'm most comfortable with, like what my voice actually sounds like when I started working on Silver Synthetic. It just felt the most natural. And I just put a lot of time and effort into rehearsing the songs by myself with like an acoustic to figure out how I intend to sing every song. And uh, I think that like paid off. I felt good about how my vocals sounded and I don't think I normally feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's very organic and that warm quality kind of does bleed in through it. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with writing based off of the acoustic guitar. Yeah. It sounds like you're comfortable in the song. Thanks, man. That's good to hear. But uh, with the release of the new album coming out around the same time as everybody's kind of beginning to think about opening up, what are your guys' plans for 2021 as they stand kind of right now? Are you still in place? Are you, I mean, I know you're looking to get out as soon as you can, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not going to do anything until, in terms of shows, until it's safe for everyone. We don't want to put anyone in danger mm-hmm. but it's hard to tell i think things are moving along in a positive direction faster than i expected in terms of just like covid and everyone getting vaccinated so there's plans for the fall for something if it's possible and that's just kind of like where we're at right now yeah mm-hmm. and like hopefully it would be great if we could finish this year out with having played a few shows at least you know yeah, for sure. Yeah, and in the meantime, you know, we're just writing new songs a lot and working on new material and taking our time with that, which is kind of nice to have the time to just kind of uh, just go over a lot of material and see what works and what sucks. And <laughs> yeah, is it a multi-record deal with Third Man, or are they just, or was it just for the one? It's kind of open right now. Like we can do another one. Yeah, but that's kind of up to them, also. So, Speaking of Third Man, what's the kind of reality of doing promotion for an upcoming record during COVID? It's kind of sucks because there's just so much deliberation that has to happen about what we think we should do. Like before, when you come out with a record, you have your record release in like your hometown and then you go on tour and then you probably do some like radio stuff or like whatever. But it's like mainly the most important thing is like performing and going on tour. So now it's just like trying to figure out the best thing to do. I mean, obviously music videos are still possible and that's a great thing to do, Uh, but we're still trying to figure out like what the best thing is to do like this spring when the record's out, like we'll probably do some live sessions. The live streaming thing I've found to be not, I don't enjoy it so much because the quality of the video and audio kind of suffers. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll probably do something that's like pre-recorded and shot and then release it.
I don't know. I'm just kind of like in the dark on actually trying to promote a record when you can't just perform, you know, it's like, there's only so much you can do. And those are the things that seem to work. And then, you know, you can try and navigate social media, which I totally hate. And, um, (laughs) why, why? (laughs) (laughs) it's not like it hasn't done anything bad right (laughs) so it's like a necessary evil i guess at the moment right yeah so you know try to utilize that but yeah i mean there's only so much you can really do especially when this is uh your first record and you don't have like already like a large following if you want to do a show when everything is back open over at Siren Records in Doylestown, uh, Dude. I'll be the first in line. Yeah, I just talked to Joe Montone. He works there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they got a few copies of the record. And oh, nice. So yeah, that would, or either that or we'll be playing at John and Peter's and New Hope on yeah, yeah, yeah. our whatever our next tour is man for sure i love new hope yeah. <laughs> they, you ever go to the lambertville flea market out there i love that shit. I found somebody the golden nugget oh yeah i yes. love it I yeah love it. i love that place yeah <laughs> far out yeah that's wild. Wild. So, well chris we want to thank you again for joining us today and really congratulations on the record i know it's a weird release because covid and all that stuff but it really it's a beautiful record and Man, that's just what I want to hear from a rock and roll album. I can't tell you, James will attest to how annoying I must have been, but I was very excited <laughs> when I heard this tune last year, Out of the Darkness, and the rest of the album just backs it right up. I mean, the rest of the album is just as hooky, just as really bright. I can't emphasize the brightness enough. I mean, and that's why the name Silver Synthetic kind of makes sense to me, because when I think Silver Synthetic, I'm thinking of sun gleaming off of it, and mm-hmm. you really do get that vibe. It's got a very sunny, sunny yeah. vibe. I'm glad so, that comes off. Yeah, man. Thanks for the music. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. Congrats. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, keep making great records. Yeah, we will do our best. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure or nothing. No Just pressure. make them great. No you Thank you, Chris. That was awesome. Silver Synthetic, again, out very soon, depending on when you're listening to this matter of days. Self-titled LP on Third Man Records and Tapes. I'm going to tack on the tapes. (laughs) I fired up the tape deck. Oh, I told you about that with the Ringo. For the the Ringo. Thank you again, Chris. That was great. And uh, seriously, your music is amazing. And I agree with Paul. Go out and get Silver Synthetic's self-titled album. At Third Man Records and Tapes. Um, that's doesn't feel natural coming out of my mouth. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to really own it. Okay. About it, Third Man Records and Tapes. <laughs> we also have some other people we'd like to thank our Patreon patrons who are helping keep the lights on. We have Derek Ferguson or Forever Ferguson, Michael Brookfield, the Bone Brookfield, Tam Davis, our third person in spirit every week, Ashley Forbes, Steady Ashley Goes, Shane, Ben Jamson, the Shane boy you've always known, Melinda Endress, you look pretty in your fancy Endress, Elizabeth Myers rolling in on Burning Myers, Brett Garski, the Brett 3 Killed Magarski, Yvette Wilkins, Wilkins on Sunshine, Brenda Englehart, we want to be the boys to warm your Englehart, Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation, Stu Cat, Stu Driver, Julia and Tobias, the $3 hat migs, Melinda Taylor, send me an angel down, Josh Aiken or Joe Shaken all over and Luke Sinclair. Luke me over closely. 
And if you'd like to interact with us or do anything like that, you can uh, follow us on a number of platforms, including Facebook at facebook.com slash thirdmen. You can tweet at us at thirdmencast on Twitter. You can tumble on down with us at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. Who knows if that's updated? I, for one, never do. So I don't think I've updated that in a while. But so you, you can, can go there. You can go there and look at stuff, I guess. So find a nice Tumblr. F- figure out a fanfic. Figure out a fanfic. Who do you want to see have sex with Aang? I don't from think Avatar they do. The Last I don't think Airbender. Tumblr lets people do that anymore. Are you serious? Did they ban the sexy time? They banned all sexy stuff like four years ago. I write all my sexy stuff in code. I write it all on Parlor. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I know they will not censor me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James Ree Taylor Green. <laughs> James has been wearing a, a, a mask this whole time, says censored on it, which is why his mic sounds so muffled. And also, he has a blindfold on, which says, I, I just, I don't know why it says it, it just says, I can't see across yeah. the blindfold, which is unusual. I don't know what that's supposed to represent, symbolize. Well, yeah. uh, I'll tell you, Paul, I've been trying to just put a piece of cloth on all of my senses, which is why my hands are bound together. Uh, it's yeah. just, it says I'm, I'm being kidnapped. Please it help. It says can't, can't write stuff. <laughs> but I wrote it and that's the miracle of it all. And then on the blindfold, it says sure, sure can't see. Yeah. And then I have a nose fold. Um, James does smel- have the nose Smell fold. blindfold. <laughs> smell blindfold is all the code I use for the sex in the, in my Tumblr posts so whenever you're talking about wharf smell blindfolding Riker, <laughs> let me tell you he's giving well, it to you him know dirty. no one's talking about that you know everyone's talking about garrick whipping up a a nice smell blindfold because he's a he's nothing but a simple tailor for julian bush here oh yeah that's all the tumblr can talk about yep. anyway so find our code on tumblr do that if that in fact if you want to leave us a review if you want to rate review and subscribe to the show in you can go to fiction. rate us.thirdmenpodcast.com if you want to put in your review i would like to smell blindfold and then put whoever you want you know it's really taster's choice or just write some fanfic write some fanfic about the show or about no well us, Paul, don't iggy pop well, not we don't want to smell blindfold each other in the fanfic, although... I don't want to read that. <laughs> so, I anyway. did this. I know I did it. <laughs> I did the bad. Anyway, that's Tumblr. You can find us on our website, thirdmenpodcast.com. You can email us, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us listener corrections, information. Just say, hey, we enjoy or hate the show. But you know what? We just like getting those emails they make us happy so do that you can find us on instagram at third men underscore podcast where paul posts fun images relating to the show you can buy some merch at bit.ly slash third men merch if you don't want to be a patreon supporter uh because you don't want to do a monthly thing but you still want to support the show you could do so by buying a piece of piece of cloth by buying a blindfold yeah (laughs) or a a mask that says don't censor my fanfic and you can find it's us just a big it's a couple of earmuffs that just say huh huh <laughs>
<laughs> you can find us on ACAST. They host our show. We love them. And you can find us on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash C slash The Third Men Podcast. And that's where we have some visualizers and animations and assorted other bips and bobs, bip bops up there. It'll for be you. a race to see who updates what first. If I update the Tumblr, Tumblr first or, or if you update, update the YouTube, YouTube first. Now I got now I got things to do. And I think Paul mentioned it, but go to rateus.thirdmenpodcast.com, write some fanfic in there and um and give us a five-star review. Huh? We did get a new rating. I just was going to read this here. Oh, I was really? searching. And oh, yeah, fun. Fun. from the, let's well, see. Well, Paul reads that. I'm going to cram some burger in my mouth. Lucky Mike STL says, always great to hear Radke. Thanks for doing the podcast. Can't get enough of this band jamming tunes and live is just out of this world. Great to see a band move the crowd. So that's been, uh, that was a nice review there from our Radke extended interview and we had rad key on earlier in the season so thanks everybody we'd also like to thank sam kubert tom valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song we're the third men as well as Susanna roundtree for the lovely intros and outros of our program and james until next episode <laughs> i will be unable to look for a home because i got a blindfold on that says can't see nothing and i will be looking for a home in a censored tumblr fanfic Wow. Okay. Mm. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll see you on the internet, huh? Hey. Wink. I'm winking. Can't see it at home. You can't winking. see it because of the blindfolds. <laughs> Unable to wink is what it says. <laughs> I was winking at people the other day. <laughs> For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at Third Mencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Yeah, well, that's that. That would be the wake. Paul's like, look, look at me. I'm, I'm not with you, but maybe I am. Let's go back to our song. Hey, everybody. Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not for profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100 plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right it's all from me remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already all right everybody i'll see you on the show and i'm wayne kaminsky 
You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Let, let me know when you guys are ready for uh, to hit record on your end, or if you have already, I can hit record on mine. Yeah, I'm rolling. Okay, Not check, yet, check. So, check, give me check, one check, check. All right. Just because I had a one-track mind, I was like, must eat. <laughs> and instead of doing anything relating to the interview, I just started eating. <laughs> how, how, po- how, how positively, positively primal, primal you, James. Yeah, no, it's really it's good. It's good. I did that. Uh, I did a bad. All right. I hit record. So I'm good to go. Right. I am in fact recording. This will be my last my last shoot. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> Sorry. This time is a fun time of I leave Ariel in charge of dinner, putting Jack to bed, bathing him. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I never want to leave her in charge of dinner because it's it's such a pain. But uh... okay, okay, James is done chewing. <laughs> yeah, this is the Third Man Podcast. I'm your co-host James Kaminsky, and I just took a big bite. I am your co-host, Paul Kavinsky. <laughs> I gave you a second clean option. <laughs> I'm going to come back around for a third. Welcome back. What do you think? Hey, James. What do you think he smells like? What do you think John Delancey smells like? I have a, I have a guess. What's that? Caramel. Ooh, I was gonna say uh, some kind of sunshine. Just you smell them, you're out there smelling the sunshine. I've got synesthesia. James has got chromosthesia. I've got yeah. <laughs> is that Unspecified sthesia. <laughs> I got sthesia. Now you gotta keep it in. That's now you gotta keep this in, Paul. Is Paul gone? Paul, are you here? <laughs> it does look like he's listening. He was, yeah, he was looking pretty stoic over there. <laughs> uh, well, um, let's see if I can. Oh, he's uh, he's gone. Okay, he'll and, come uh, back. Let's hope. Otherwise, uh, this this whole thing's resting in hey, my I'm hands. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm. I'm So, oh, there he is. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So our internet, <laughs> our internet in the entire house went out, uh, oh. and so 
I have my wife's work phone as a mobile hotspot keeping us alive. Right now. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so anyway, um, so I'm still recording, uh, and I, yep. I, am now, I am now recording the conversation again. Okay, so. Bit.ly. Kids in the coitus. You can find. You can buy some merch at. James, did you just say the name of our podcast wrong? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is my brother, my brother, and me. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the third men podcast. Did I say it wrong? Did I really do that? Welcome back. Welcome back.